I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Today, my guest is Taylor Robinson. Taylor has over 10 years of uh, recruiting experience uh, spanning contingent, hybrid, retained search models, and one of the most diverse young leaders in the executive recruitment space. Taylor brings a unique perspective to the company and industry, bridging the gap between the traditional CEO with decades of experience and younger pools of talent. Taylor's devoted uh, his career to delivering win-win solutions by building genuine partnerships with hiring managers while uh, also earning the trust of job seekers. Driven by the desire to transform traditional talent search and recruiting, Taylor uh, consistently delivers results for his clients by uh, by combining conventional tactics with new cutting-edge techniques. Taylor, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to see you, Craig. Yeah, so I've been. I'm glad that you're here. You, um, you know, so we have a little bit of a uh, different but shared experience, and absolutely want to talk about that. Um, you know, so listeners know that I was in the hospital for three months with um, COVID, but I was able to return back to work in about five months. Your story sounds a little more challenging. So uh, bring us back. Take us back in time. So you were working for the family business. What's your family business? Uh, executive recruiting, uh, recruiting and coaching. Right. And um, and so you were working there and then you left. And then what happened? Yeah. So I left the family business to first kind of get some experience, one, outside of the family business, but two, understand a different type of recruitment structure. So we do mostly retained executive recruitment, and I wanted to learn the contingent model, uh, as that is a very, very commonplace system within our industry. So while I was working at a contingent agency, uh, and the the story that I believe that you're referring to here, uh, I was walking home one night from Chicago and was uh, in Chicago and was the victim of a random act of violence. Don't know who did it, why they did it, what it was all about, but uh, I woke up the next day in the hospital and had about a foot of my skull uh, cut open. I had an emergency craniotomy uh, and woke up with my friends and family basically looking over me, thanking God that I was still alive. Uh, From there, I was in the ICU for about three days before they moved to an intense uh, rehab center called Shirley Ryan, which is amazing if anyone's uh, ever uh, looking for something to devote some time and monetary value to. Uh, And I was there for about 10 days doing some very, very intense rehab where they were still making sure that everything was functioning properly in my head and in my body. 
Uh, from there, I actually had to move home because uh, I wasn't able to take care of myself and did, lived at home for about four months where I also continued going through rehab, uh, eventually concluding in me leaving my current business because I really wasn't able to work, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, uh, and went back to the family business uh, until uh, maybe a year or two later when I finally had my head wrap, wrapped on straight and then took over SearchWorks in 2020. Um, what's, so. One, that's horrifying. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Uh, what what was the act of violence? Did somebody hit you in the head with a pipe or something? Yeah, we don't know exactly what it was. There was no cameras or anything that could have uh, shown us what it was, but I got hit in the head with something. My guess is it was a bat or a pipe. Uh, somebody would have had a really big person to do it with their fist. Uh, but my my right side of my, my head um, had internal bleeding. They did not steal my phone. They didn't steal my car keys. They didn't steal my watch. They didn't steal anything. Uh, just hit me on the side of the head and probably ran away. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is twisted, but I think I'd feel better if at least they stole my wallet. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I don't have any, I really, weirdly enough, I don't have any hate in my heart for this person. You know, the way that I think about it is that individual was going through a lot more hardships than I was, which, what was, which is what drove them to do something so horrible. And I uh, find solace in knowing or at least believing that that person thinks back on that instance and feels immense regret for it. And they're the one that are going to have to deal with that for the rest of their life. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a very that's a very generous approach, um, and that's that's warming for me to see because it's yeah it's it's easy to hold a grudge. Yeah, definitely could have been filled with a whole lot of hatred and a whole lot of anger. And uh, my family and I, we we didn't go that route. We 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 simply looked at the positives. I'm alive. I'm okay. I'm getting better. And we're going to get through this. So it was, uh, you know, it was a terrible, awful experience. But, you know, luckily I came out on the other side and I'm doing all right. Well, that's that's exciting to hear. And, you know, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that story. But one of the things that you just brought out that I think is powerful was how you chose to respond to that. You know, there's a lot of different ways of responding. And you chose to respond of, well, um, in a very positive way, a way that allowed you to move forward. It sounds like move forward faster than your recovery, move forward emotionally faster than your body was necessarily ready for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I pretty much woke up out of my kind of short coma, if you will. Um, and there was definitely some anger in the room towards the person or people that, that, that put me through this, but after we kind of realized, you know, we're not going to find out who this is. And frankly, it doesn't really matter who did it. Um, what really matters is that we can move forward and we can grow from this and learn from this. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a, I'm a different person uh, because of it. But in a lot of ways, I think that I am. It's made me much more empathetic. It's made me much more understanding. It's made me care about living my life to the fullest, much more than I was before. And so a lot of ways I'm able to look up back on the experience and find a lot of positives from it. It's, it's hard for me to see any negatives. You know, if I was having, you know, continued problems and maybe they'll rise somewhere down the line for me, you know, God willing, they don't. Uh, but as of today, I feel pretty much 100%. So I'm just really thankful. Well, that's, 
And I, and I think that's a powerful lesson for anybody, anybody that, you know, life happens. And the thing that's in our, our control is how we choose to respond to it. And unfortunately, there are some people that get drugged down by that and they it, it becomes more of a boat anchor to their life. So so you spent three days in the ICU, then you go home and and you said that it took a while before you could get back to work. Was were there cognitive issues? Big time. So <clears throat> focusing on anything was difficult. Uh, very, very lethargic. Took a lot of naps, um, you know, even even listening to music. My, my, my taste in music actually changed throughout the experience because I wasn't able to listen to loud, fast, upbeat music that, you know, maybe the words were quick or it had a lot of energy because it was too much for my body to really handle. You know, walking even down the sidewalk and having all the sensory of the birds and the lights and the wind and just sensory overload. I remember the first time that I walked through um, a grocery store scared the hell out of me. I mean, it was awful. There's so many different pieces on, on both sides of the aisle and there's people walking around and there's kind of bright lights in the room that all those things were just impossible for my brain to really comprehend at the time. I couldn't finish movies. Um, you know, conversations were still okay. Luckily, I never really lost my ability to speak well. And physically, uh, I was still still able to kind of run and jump. And so that was a big piece of it. But we ended up, I ended up playing a lot of chess. I played chess on my phone. And I did that almost every single day. I was a big chess player before that. And I think that that really helped a lot, because it was an extra level of complication that uh, my, my brain had to go through to play chess. And frankly, one of the most difficult things was just reading. There's a lot of words on the page and my eyesight wasn't quite lining up because of what had happened to my brain. And so I couldn't focus on things right. And when there was a lot of things in front of me and I had to focus on a specific piece of a, of a large uh, set of information, it was very difficult to do. So my reading comprehension was almost annihilated for, for many, many years. So it was really interesting because some things felt untouched and some things were, were very, very messed up. And so through my rehabilitation, we had to almost graduate me through certain aspects so that I could spend more time on the areas where I was still having difficulty. Uh, and so reading, reading was really, really tough. And I, I think that's hard for people to understand until they've actually been through it. You know, for me, you know, going through mine, I, um, you know, this was after I was out of the hospital, but before I went back to work, I decided I would dip a toe in the water and write a page, uh, a landing page copy uh, for a website landing page. And normally that's like a 30, 45 minute exercise for me. It took five hours. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I remember was being afraid of, oh my goodness, this is how I make my living. I can't Mm -hmm. spend five hours trying to do what I reasonably should do in 45 minutes. Did you, did you experience any of that? What, how did you process it? Cause yours lasted a lot longer than mine. Mm -hmm. That had to be terrifying. Yeah. At the beginning of it, it was, it was absolutely terrifying. You know, uh, it took a couple of days before, at least a couple of days before the doctors were even really able to ever say, or give me some sort of a, a a prognosis of where they think I might end up. So, 
you know, for the first three days, it was kind of touch and go of like, you know, is he going to remember his name? Uh, is he going to remember what year it is? Is he going to remember who I am as somebody who's talking to him that day? And I remember the scariest moment for sure was when they, they get, I had aphasia, which aphasia is, you know what something is, but you can't find the name of it. And they went through 20 postcards and there would be a ladder and a chair and an octopus and a, and a, and a star. And it was all these different images. And the, the, the test was for me to look at the image and say what it was. And the first time I did it, I got, I think, four out of 20. And so they give you like 30 seconds to say what it is. And I, I, I'd see a star and I, knew, I know what a star is. I know what that thing is, but I couldn't come up with the name of it because the connect, the connectivity between my thought of what a star was and the remembering what that was to the actual name of it had been broken. And so my brain had to actually find a new pathway to getting to A and B to get connected because that normal highway was broken. And so it had to find a new route. And so the first time I did it, I got four out of 20, right. And it scared the hell out of me. How can I not know what a star is? How can I not say what a ladder is? And it was absolutely terrifying. I bet. <laughs> How, and what, what did therapy look like to, to work through that? Well, time was a big factor in it. Um, just allowing my brain to find find its time to, to to find those pathways where they came together and find those reroutes to get back to a road that connected A and B, A and B together. So some of it was just playing simple games, you know, shoots and ladders and things like that. We would play cards. Uh, we would, we would, they would give me a, a paragraph to read and I would have to read it out loud or I would just little teeny games that all had some sort of a purpose. And there was no real way for them to just say, okay, we're going to do this. And you're going to now know what a star is when you see what a star is. Uh, but over time and over the course of about a week, the next time that I did that same test, uh, I ended up getting about 17 of the 20. And so over the course of a week, I had made immense progress. And because they were able to see that my progress was so significant and so fast, um, after you know a couple of weeks, the doctors ended up saying, you're, you're, you're going to make a full recovery and you're going to be fine, uh, which, was, which was really, really great. But you know those first several days, they just don't know and they can't tell you. And you, they, they just don't know that the brain is a very unknown organ of the body. We know, about, we know enough about personality and the way people think, but how the brain works and how to fix it is a very, very difficult thing to do. And we still, we still don't really know, to be honest with you. Yeah. Now, the people doing these tests, were these speech therapists or a different therapist? Yeah, so there was uh, speech therapists, uh, there was physical therapists, there was occupational therapists. Uh, so I would go to all those three uh, different therapy sessions every single day. I would go home and they would give me homework assignments. Uh, I mentioned my eyes were all messed up. And so I kept having to go back to the optometrist and they would give me different uh, eye things to do, or I would look down a string and I would pull something farther and closer to me. And I, I kept, I just constantly every single day had to do and work. To, to get my brain back to where it needed to be. Uh, so it was simply time, but it also was doing particular activities that would help rebuild those, those connections in my brain. So did your speech therapist ask you about your close brush with death and how you were handling that mentally? 
my speech therapist did not, but I ended up going to a, just a therapist therapist yeah. uh, who helped me kind of get through the emotional toll and the fear uh, of all of that. And, and then she was, she was wonderful. She got me into to meditation, something I still do today. Uh, and a lot of her teachings have actually continued to help me throughout life. Big, 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 big fan of therapy. Don't be afraid to go see a therapist if things are going wrong in your life. Big fan of, of <clears throat> getting. Yeah, they, um, I, you know, I know for me, my big, my journey through the uh, the hospital, the highlight was the uh, PTs, the OTs, and the uh, speech therapist. But I did have one ask me how I was processing coming so close to death, and um, and I <clears throat> shared with her something the Marine Corps taught me, and um, I think that scared her, and she never asked me about that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's an interesting thing. It, it changes it changes you for sure. I understand. But the um, and you know, I think it'd be interesting. Um, most people, you and I know what an occupational therapist is. Um, what's the? But I suspect there's some people who don't. What's the difference? How would you define the difference between an OT and a PT? Uh, and a and a PT physical therapist. Yeah. So physical therapist, I was learning how to walk and I would kind of do on different levels. I would walk, I would catch balls, I would throw balls, I would throw a Frisbee. We would do all kinds of things that were always very physical. So it was physical activity and making sure that I could do uh, physical things that I needed to get around and live my life normally. Um, Occupational therapy was much more similar to what I was talking about before with kind of the reading comprehension. Reading comprehension was a big piece of it. Uh, doing kind of small math questions was a big piece of it. Being able to have a, a communicative conversation in which there's a give and take with another human being was a piece of it. So the types of things that you do in your work life, like writing an email uh, or reading an email or talking to another person, those are the types of things that I would go through for my occupational therapy. Okay. Well, that's a... I mean, that's a tough journey and you're all together from the time you got hit to the time that you felt reasonably normal again. How long was that? Well, the reasonably normal thing is difficult because yeah, that's a, I, I mean, it, I would say it took me two months to feel somewhat reasonably normal. It took me six months to feel reasonably normal but it also took me two years to, to feel normal again. So it's real. That's a very subjective question. Uh, there was definitely, it was a slow burn for me. I, I had to work to get back to where I am today. Yeah. So then you go back and you rejoin the family business. Yeah. I go back and re- rejoin the family business and kind of an operations role where I was able to dabble and do as much as I possibly could. Uh, did that for about a year and a half until I was, feeling good. You know, I I was back at it. And it just so happens that after that year and a half, I was, you know, maybe two years into after having had the accident. And that's when I actually took over uh, the business of SearchWorks. And that also happened to be February of 2020. So here I am, I'm trying to prove myself that I'm, I'm back and I'm, I'm, I'm mentally able and I can do everything that I used to do. And boom, we get hit down with the pandemic. It's February of 2020. I'm having trouble making sales. Uh, I'm, t- I'm having trouble just getting revenue into the business. And so it was uh, that was a, a rough year because it was hard to discern between is it me 
And I'm, am I the reason that the business isn't able to bring in more revenue and be more profitable and do all these different things? Or is it the pandemic? And so that was a difficult stage for me because I wasn't really sure where to put blame. And then luckily, once the pandemic kind of subsided in 2021 roll around, we had our best year ever and I had my best year ever. And I, I came out with a vengeance and we did an incredible job. We did immense revenue. I had more placements than I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, just a really, really wonderful year. And then that continued going into 2022 and, and we're continuing that success today. So uh, it, it's been the last five years of my life have been a movie. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And not necessarily a movie. Well, you said that you're thankful uh, for the experience. And I would say the same thing about mine. And I think that's weird. I think, I think people would have trouble understanding why we would be thankful for what we went through. What makes you thankful for that? I am more, I am a more thankful person, period because of the experience that I went through. I appreciate my life. I appreciate my relationships. I appreciate what I have, what I've been given, what I've earned all much, much more than I have before. You know, it was so close to all being taken away that I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to all the things that I have. And so, you know, I, I think that it's caused me or helped me to become, um, just a more thankful person in general. You know, the, we, we're, we're just lucky to be here, everyone. Whether you've gone through something like that or not, I mean, you never know when you're going to die. You never know when someone else in your life is going to die. And so when things are good and I'm happy, I am very, very happy. And when things aren't good and I'm not very happy, I'm able to bring myself pretty quickly back to being happy because I think, you know what? This isn't as bad as I'm making it seem right now. And so I'm just, I'm just a happier person. I'm just grateful for everything. Now, I, I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like I'm on like a therapist chair right now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I, I think you're providing therapy for the listener because it's what the attitude you're describing, I would say is the difference between uh, somebody who's um, living an abundant lifestyle, a happy lifestyle, a thriving lifestyle versus somebody who just is depressed, constantly feels beaten down, feels like they can never escape. And it's, I think so much of it is how you've chosen to approach it. And, and I think that's therapy for people that are listening because there are people out there that are struggling. Life just hit them with something they don't like. Mm -hmm. And they're probably angry and they yeah. probably feel like life is unfair. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So now you're, as you're growing the business, you're growing into more of a leadership role. What's that been like? Yeah, the leadership aspect of it also has come on very quickly. Like I said, you know, last five years of my life have been, have been immense. You know, back in uh, 2019, I had one direct report. Uh, in 2020, I had pretty much zero. In 2021, I had two. Uh, now it's 2023 and I have six. So every year I've added on a number of people who have been reporting into me directly. Uh, and that has been, that has, has forced me to uh, grow very, very quickly from a leadership perspective. Being able, I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, or maybe I didn't, but um, I, I've become a much more empathetic person 
towards other people because of the experience that we talked about recently. And I think that that's really helped me in, in my world as well. I'm very understanding of what, hopefully of what other people are going through uh, and able, and I care and I'm because of that empathy, as opposed to being mad um, at the world or mad at the process or mad at the business or mad at any one individual. Uh, I look at much, I look at it much more from a, how can I help solve this problem? And many times helping to solve that problem from a leadership perspective, in my opinion, is not about, you know, railing down and hammering down on people, but how can I help you? What's the reason that this isn't getting done? How can we look at this process a little bit differently? And how can I help you to become a better professional and to be more successful in this realm? And so my leadership um, and I do call it leadership over management. I think that's an important, important difference to make um, is really, I think, starts with empathy uh, and really trying to understand the individual and what they're going through and how we can work together uh, as opposed to just, this is your job, do it. And if you don't do it good, you're fired. That's just, that's not how I operate. So, so what is the difference to you between leadership and management? Management is, is telling someone what to do um, and making sure that they do it and watching them and tracking them and ensuring that they get from A to B. The most important thing is that they get from A to B. Leadership is um, helping them get from A to B. Leadership is motivating them to want to get to B in the most efficient and effective way possible. And leadership is about um, working as a team versus working as a top-down organization. Yeah. And what would you say has been the biggest, kind of your biggest aha, or maybe it was a, a painful lesson that has really impacted your uh, leadership style? What's been the biggest thing that you would share with everybody? That's a great question. I would say that the biggest thing or aha moments is realizing that once I went from one or two direct reports to six, that these are individual people and individual people need to be spoken to in an individual manner. They need to be led in an individual manner. They need to be motivated in, in, in an individual manner. What works for one person isn't going to work for the next person. And so I really try and understand the person and get to know them on a very human level and really become friends with that person. It's much easier to help a friend than it is to help an employee. Uh, and so if I can become friends with these people and understand their motivations, then I can use that understanding to assist them and to motivate them and get them moving in the right direction, uh, as opposed to a one size fits all. Well, this is how I lead. And so this is how I'm going to lead with each with everybody across the board. I change my style depending on who I'm speaking with or working with. Well, that's very wise. Well, this has been uh, a great discussion, Taylor. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, how, how do people reach you? Uh, I try and make myself uh, easy to find. So if you go and search Taylor Robinson on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Uh, our website is searchworksllc.com. Uh, my email is taylor at searchworksllc.com. I think I even have my uh, cell phone number lo located on my LinkedIn page. So uh, if you're trying to find me, I guarantee you'll be able to find me. Excellent. And I hope people do reach out to you because uh, they need more people. Everybody needs more people in their life like you that approaches adversity with the attitude that you approach it. And I hope they do reach out. Well, I appreciate that very much, Craig. And thank you for having me on. 
This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. And it means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com uh, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.